when I think about somebody else seeing me, at least at this point, you know, I'm happy to evolve my thoughts. But at this point, I see other people that when they see little people, it's a defense mechanism that spurs their instant reaction, whether it's walking away, making a comment, wanting to take a photo, gasping, you know, telling their friends, uh, avoiding me, whatever it is, you know, it's and it's not just me, it's every single person with dwarfism you know there's no one that's like i've never had that happen to me ever it's like yeah you have you definitely have and you've created the skin to deal with that and however you have you know some people are like oh i just let it roll off my back and other people will leave the location and cry you know it's a really uh tough thing to to deal with We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging empowering, empowering, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Welcome back to the third place and to hear the second part of our interview with Christoph. Today we learn about his experiences as an adult working in TV and film in Hollywood. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you to check out our interview with Tammy Simon from Sounds True and the Inner MBA. It was such a great interview and we learned so much from Tammy about learning how to lead oneself from a place of calmness, confidence, creativity, centeredness, and curiosity. This really just gave us a small taste of the Inner MBA, which is a nine-month online immersion program for entrepreneurs, executives, and employees who believe business is a force for good in the world and want to achieve success while making a difference. I'm excited to say that I've signed up for this year's program and would love to have you join me, so make sure you click the link in our notes to learn more. Now, welcome back, Christoph. I think about how when we experience trauma in general, it's pretty normal to like try to just set it aside. You decided this isn't my club until you were 30. Clearly, it's a coping mechanism. But do you think it also had to do with the trauma of the experience in your upbringing, just the nature of that in general? Um, I don't know that that was it. I, I, I just never... I never wanted to associate myself with other little people, you know, it's more Mm -hmm. of wanting to hide in a department store because some kid saw you and was calling you out. And in another store, two years later, there's two adults like pointing and laughing at you. And, you know, it's kids at school constantly asking you why you're so little. Why are you so short? When are you going to grow up? And like that, just ingrains in your brain that you are undesirable. You are this oddity that's never going to be understood. I didn't want to associate with little people because that was so burned into my brain. And so what else do I know? I went to my, yeah, you're like, what's the, what's the benefit? Here, what's, right? Yeah, absolutely. I went to my first LPA regional event in Detroit when I was 18 and I was 
you know, big into music and wanting to just like delve into Nirvana and punk rock and all these bands. And I went to this pool party with probably 25 other little people who were attending. I probably stayed there an hour and just on the way home, I was like, nope, 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 nope. That's not me. That'll never be me. That's not my people. Like I'm going to go like never associate with them ever again. And especially when you're out in public and imagine seeing two little people, what's that got to be like? Imagine the attention that you saw two rarities, you know, time to go buy a lottery ticket because you might strike it rich. So that's really where that comes from. It wasn't, does that answer your question? Totally. I mean, I'm sitting here feeling like, like those exchanges that you had or where you had people, you know, saying hurtful things that still to me, I think resonates in the body as little micro moments of trauma. Sure. Yeah. I'm sitting here with a lot of uh, just tension in my body because not that I can obviously not relate to dwarfism, but I can relate and I'm feeling memories of being a little bit of an outcast. Uh, So what was the shift though? So there was this shift that you mentioned at 30. Was there a moment that kind of changed your perspective or what led you to a version of accepting yourself? Yeah, it's exposure. I think that's the biggest thing now that I look back on things because I never wanted to have the exposure or experience with a little person. And I, there was one other little person that I knew. She lived in Lansing, Michigan, and she heard about my rock band and she would come out to see the show and we became friends, you know, friends at arm's length because I couldn't do any more than that. And we hung out a couple times and stuff and, you know, it was fine. I, uh, but I, I was still really awkward. And then I quit the band because it was time to do that. And I moved to Los Angeles and I wanted to play music here. And I was going on auditions. It was like time to get back out on the road. This is what I do. I'm a touring drummer. And I started to get hired for productions that were looking for little people. And the first production I got hired on, there was 10 other little people. And so that was my first experience with people that I felt like weren't always talking about kids or didn't have, you know, these experiences that were so different than mine. They were on TV and they were doing productions and they were doing these visible, cool things in Los Angeles. And I made a couple friends on that show that I'm still really good friends with today. And that was the first shift, but it's exposure, you know, it's, it's having that experience with actual people. And it it was almost like a, like an LP club that a mini club that we were there hanging out and there wasn't judgment, you know, people knew each other. I was accepted and they just asked me questions like a person. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, it's like there's something so refreshing about when you like can come to the table and feel like you don't have to go through some of those basic like bullshit first things, right? Where I feel like if especially with being a little person, you probably have like 10 things that are first a layer that you have to break through before you can develop a layer of depth potentially and totally. 
Like, there's, like, nothing better than where it's, like, oh, we don't even have to do that? Like, sweet. Like, let's just, like, can we just be um, and, you know, cut the BS and actually have a a connection sooner than later? Well, and I find it so fascinating, too. I'm trying to think how the right way to say this, but it's, like, there's this disconnect because anyone that's different is trying to desire is the connection to other people. And, but there were all these defense mechanisms because, you know, your brain and your body is trying to protect yourself from just mean people. Whereas the, the thing that kind of saw you through it was also your own leap of just being normal with somebody else, you know, the, and finding your tribe, so to speak. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, no, absolutely, because there are are things that you don't have to explain. There are things that are just instantly, inherently understood. You can joke about the times that you got uh, made fun of. And and it's interesting because if if I were to tell average height friends of mine, they might not hit the same mark that a little person would. They might be too coddling or too precious with me or also on the other side they might think that oh this isn't that big of a deal i don't want to delve into it so it's a tough balance to figure that out and i get it you know i definitely understand it's not like i'm uh ignorant to that i understand that's that is a really tough balance but i mean when you really get down to the nitty-gritty that's a tough balance for any relationship you know Yeah, I so appreciate that you brought that up because I learned something the other day where it was like when someone's experiencing grief of any kind, let's say it's just, you know, a loss of any kind. One of the things that we all say, like, what would you say first? You say, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. right? And actually, when you say I'm sorry, it puts more pressure or burden on the person that's already grieving to like then also help you with their relationship to your grief. And so I've been starting to realize that there's connection to that too, where like if you share a time that you were made fun of, I feel like what happens is that then, let's say my experience of sympathy for you, it would become my experience and it would distract from your experience. And that's like this nuance that I'm really like pressing into more and more. It's like, well, what if, what if instead we can just like not make it about ourselves, which I think is also this, this um, shift with being anti-racist too. It applies to so much of this like progress we're trying to make, I think. Mm -hmm. And it sounds healing too, for me, like what you're sharing. It sounds like finding this community was a a part of your healing. Yeah, it definitely was. And it's, I mean, it's been a 10 year journey because I didn't go home from that job thinking, I've got a bunch of new friends and they're all awesome and I want to hang out with them all the time. I thought, okay, that was a really cool experience. Where are the next music jobs coming? And I don't really necessarily need to call these people. Maybe if I see them again, that's fine and and cool. It, It took me a while. I get why it's, it takes people a while to warm up to the thought of short statured individuals, short limbs, you know, it's, it's, it's not, Something that's just, you can just jump in if you don't have the attitude, you know, that you want to accept somebody in that way. So you've had some gigs in the entertainment industry, obviously. I have. A number. A number. Including murdering 
people. I'm a murderous bald guy. It was terrifying. Just so you guys know, it's terrifying. I'm pretty it's cute on. when I'm murdering this woman, though. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you, you are pretty cute. <laughs> I'm pretty damn adorable when I'm stabbing the crap out of this woman. <laughs> And But then you also mentioned to me that I think that this is, like, really important is that, you know, you decided, too, that you're, like, not going to take gigs anymore that don't serve you, right? And yeah, for sure. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I've worked in Hollywood for over 10 years, and I've been in an alien costume and I've been an elf and I've been a leprechaun and I've been a rat and I've been a furry monster and I've been an Oompa Loompa inspired Donald Trump and I've been a Twinkie and I've been E.T. in different forms. Like I've done all these things and you'll never know it's me because you never saw my face. Working on Uh Twin Peaks where I'm the murderous cutie, um, like... That was one of the coolest jobs for me because you got to see my face and my eyes and my nose and my head and my arms and my body. And they put in some messed up meth teeth in my mouth, but that's really the only thing. That was the shortest makeup job I've ever had. And yeah, so I've done all these things that covered me up and... I'm kind of tired of it. You know, it's good money at times, you know, to make, if I do an event, I'm making 150, 200, $300 an hour. That's a really tough thing to say no to. Um, but I don't want to be a leprechaun anymore. And I don't want to just be an elf. I wouldn't mind doing these roles on a production that had value, but just as a token trope, you know, I don't really want to do that. Um, that's not what I want to do. And I don't shame other people for doing it because I understand you got, damn, I mean, if you're going to make residuals 10, 20, 30,000, you know, for a commercial, uh, I mean, that's a big decision to say no to, but so I'm interested in doing those when, and once there are many more little people roles that showcase us in a real light and showcase us in, you know, an approachable light. We're not this nebulous character that nobody knows where we came from. And miraculously we have five women on our arm and then like we just appear in the bushes somewhere or something like that. It's like, Oh man, I've, it's the creativity in that is so gone and, and the layers are, are, are so not existent, you know? Um, Let's actually have a nuanced little person character that lives down the hall from, you know, friends or whatever, you know, someone who works at a store who actually gets involved in somebody's life and is a, is a contributor to their life. I'm just, I'm just tired of these, these jobs that don't have any equity and they don't have any, they don't push us forward at all. Yeah. And I mean, these, what I'm hearing too, is that these roles are just simply playing into stereotypes and yeah. and not real humanity, real humans. Yeah, and it, I mean, it also just makes it easier for more shows to just keep using the word midget. And, yeah. you know, as much as I know that midget is just a word, uh, why not choose another word, you know? If it's just a mm-hmm. word, like, 
I know why it's chosen. It's it's quick and it's you know fast and it has you know percussion to it and it's uh, it has this you know connotation that has a thread of comedy and um, yeah that's all been played out you know let's let's do some other some other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, amen to that. I'm like wondering if uh, would you have like a list of movie and TV references that we could provide our listeners that have a good representation of little people? Um, there's so if you want to watch Tiptoes, that has good representations of little people and maybe one of the worst representations of little people ever because Gary Oldman plays a little person. And even in the trailer of the movie, they call his role the role of a lifetime. He's playing a little person on his knees. Oh, no. It is horrendous. Um, But Peter Dinklage is in the movie. And, you know, to me, you really can't go wrong with a Peter Dinklage movie. Watch... Um, watch the station agent. That's okay. probably the best place to start. As soon as, when I saw the station agent, I couldn't pick my jaw up off the floor. I didn't understand how other people knew my life. It's a, it's a very lonely, real, um, there's some wins in the movie as well, but you know, it's, it's a real depiction of dwarfism and, how society sees us and what interactions are like. Okay. Well, and I think that that leads to kind of what I was just curious, like what do you wish society did see? I've met you in this space where I knew we were going to be talking about dwarfism, but I've not met you. I've never met someone with dwarfism in real life. Mm. So I don't, I like, I don't even know how I would respond. Um, I've only seen dwarfism in movies Mm -hmm. so what should i be knowing how do i enter that into a conversation how do i get to a space where i can ask your name i love that thing that you said at the very beginning yeah absolutely i think you know realizing that we are people and that we have challenges and successes and loved ones and difficult relationships and sad times and happy times i think initially realizing that um, if you're interested, I say Google resources, you know, there are little people who are very smart, very scholarly. They write opinion pages. There are a bunch of individuals on social media that are promoting their bodies and letting people see them in bikinis and, you know, dancing and and moving around and showing their families and stuff like that i think that's a great way to start is to come to the table thinking you know this isn't a freak show in front of you this is an actual person jobs don't define us you know i just interviewed the smallest stripper in the world and we shared a tear in a human moment you know because she's not just an object of you know, fantasy. She's a person with family and a mom and a dad and a sister and people who love her. And so I think come to the table with that in your brain instead of, 
oh my god oh my god oh my god did you see how short his legs are mm-hmm. and and prepare yourself for some other different human moments you know and i th- i think that there's really an opportunity there to broaden your horizons broaden your relationships and accept somebody else somebody who's different we had this series on infertility and i bring it up because when we asked her about how to talk about infertility with those that are going through it she's like let me start with saying what not to say or what not to do Mm -hmm. and i'm sure you have some of those like what are the what not to say and not to do that are just like immediate because i think sometimes like can we get some bumpers, right? When we're, when we're bowling, like, can we get those boundaries where we just know, like, we don't even want to press into that edge because that is rehumanizing. So that's, that's interesting because I, I really try to, instead of thinking about like what not to do, like just what to do, because I feel like when you approach someone with the the things that you aren't supposed to do, you, you might not let yourself be yourself. Like you still have to be yourself when you, then you focus on what not to do. Right. Exactly. And I I think that, I don't know. I don't, I kind of don't want to answer that with what not to do. I I would rather just say, you know, because I don't want you to not be yourself. You still have to Mm -hmm. be a, because somebody's going to see through that. Little people are very astute and aware of their surroundings and the people who interact with them. And so I, I think just coming with more openness than necessarily like worrying about not letting a word slip. Because I think when you pay attention to too many of those, you could talk yourself out of actually going and having an interaction. And you know what? Some interactions are bad. And I'm not saying that every going up to a little person is going to be the highlight of your entire life, but it could be. You're not going to know unless you try. So I think make your bumpers show up with an open heart. Um, listen, accept how they are and, you know, respond from a human place. I th- I th- that's how I would want to be approached. I love that because, I mean, it goes back to like the first conversation in the hospital even. I didn't even realize that I did the same thing where it was like, going from never to an opportunity language. So I, I, I dig that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, what I'm hearing from that is like just the universal truth. Isn't that what we all want? Yeah. And isn't that what we should be approaching with everybody that we are? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And I, it, you're going to get a, a response out of that because if you let yourself do something stupid, that gives the other person a chance to, you know, respond and kind and maybe you have a funny moment that bonds you right there, you know, and, and just, mm-hmm. it's not easy. I'm not saying this is like the simplest thing to do, you know, it takes guts, it takes a lot of guts. I don't have the guts to do it all the time. Yeah, but it's also not that hard, right? Like, I think that, that I also want to say it's not that hard too. And to me, I mean, it feels like it's not hard at all when you are, open to humility and that you can just go in with that open mind or that beginner's mind. Yep. I agree. 100%. Well, awesome. This has been amazing. I mean, just learning so much and 
this is what this is this space is about how do we have these uncomfortable conversations and thank you for being just so candid and open and and sharing your story it's really it's a beautiful story oh thanks no thank you so much for having me on it's both of you are really really fun and really really open and it's really easy to talk to both of you so thank you so much for having me on well same goes to you this has been the best and i anticipate it to be so where can i guess i should do something that you're supposed to do at the end of podcasts where you ask where can we find out more about you christoph how can people connect with you yes absolutely give us your give us your commercial yeah connect with me on instagram i have a podcast called i'm kind of a big deal so you can go and listen to i'm kind of a big deal on apple podcasts and i interview little people who have amazing lives and incredible stories and they're very open and vulnerable and we talk about some cool stuff and you can find me on instagram at big deal pod and i'll be there sweet and you will be there i'll be there well thank you so much christoph thank you this was so fun i had a blast awesome same same be well third place podcast is produced by podcast publishing house If you like what you're hearing, follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify. Also check out the episodes on our website, thirdplacepodcast.com, for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation, so make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Third Place Podcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host, Happy Hours, on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash third place podcast.